Today, I'm answering eight of the most common questions that you have asked me over the past five years about using Ableton Live on stage. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Space, where this is the podcast for folks that wanna perform like a pro on stage with Ableton Live. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is your first episode, welcome. My name is Will, and I am so glad you're here. And if you're a returning listener, then welcome back, so glad you're here. Today's episode is gonna be a little different. Uh, this is gonna be one that you're gonna really wanna study. Maybe bookmark, save this episode. Uh, I'm gonna be running through eight of the most common questions I, I've heard over the past five years as an Ableton Live certified trainer uh, since I started from studio stage about five years ago. Um, uh, these are questions that keep coming up over and over. Uh, and I keep going, well, should I create more content? Well, I've already created content. Today's episode, the goal is to try to kind of uh, be a, a quick start guide, if you will. Uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, we did a quick start guide on how to get started with tracks and that went really well and got some really good feedback. So my goal today is I'm going to answer these eight questions in about two to three minutes, but then I'm going to provide some free resources. Every single one of these that where you can dive further is completely free where you can get a, a, a further answer to your question. Because if I try to answer all of these really in depth, I mean, this would be like an hour and a half long episode. So I don't want to do that. Uh, I have a cup of tea to finish here and that's more important than talking for an hour and a half. Now, before we get into these eight most commonly asked questions uh, that you'll be able to know the answer to by the end of this episode and you'll be ahead of everyone else. Um, before I get to that, I wanna let you know if you're interested in learning how to perform like a pro with Ableton Live on stage and do it the most efficient, flexible, stable way, then head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe and become a From Studio to Stage student. When you become a student and join the community, you get access to every single course that I have on the site, over 60 courses and counting. In fact, I'm working on content right now. If I showed my overhead camera right now, you would see I look like a crazy person. Uh, there is so much content coming uh, this year. This is a big focus of mine. Updating older courses, adding brand new content. You get access to um, every template patch preset I've ever created is in the From Studio Stage store. And you don't have to pay cash money for it because you can use your credits that you get every single month uh, as being a community, From Studio to Stage community member and subscriber. Uh, plus a monthly call every month where you can hop on a Zoom call with me and ask questions. Uh, it's the absolute best value, best way to learn to use Ableton Live to perform on stage. If, listen, if you're looking to learn how to record with Ableton Live, produce music in Ableton Live, this is not for you. If you're looking to perform on stage with Ableton Live, there's not a single other place on the internet, in person, online, that you'll gain the amount of knowledge for the incredible value. Well, not, let's take value out of it. You're not gonna get this knowledge anywhere else, and you're definitely not gonna get it for this uh, value. So from studiostage.com slash subscribe, uh, check that out. The other thing you could do, uh, if you like this content, if you wanna continue to see me create uh, episodes of Behind the Space Bar and tutorials. If you're watching on YouTube, then subscribe, enable the bell icon. I wanna make sure you don't miss out. Plus it's just a free way that you can support the creation of this content. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then consider hitting the subscribe or follow button. It's completely free to you. And again, it's just a way to support my efforts. And then finally, if you're watching on YouTube, consider commenting. Uh, I, I do my best. I try every day to go through as many comments as I can. Um, and try to hit you back with the reply as quickly as possible. Yes, no, share a link. I, I do my absolute best to do that. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify, then leave a rating and review. If you have nothing nice to say, then say nothing at all. But if you got something nice to say, say it, say it often, and say more of it. Okay, let's get to number one. And again, my goal with this episode is to answer these questions so that you have a step above uh, everyone else and you can go ahead and get further down the road than everyone else is. So number one question I get quite often is what is the best 
fill in the blank, MIDI controller, audio interface, in-ears, um, uh, all sorts of things, right? What's the best piece of gear to use on stage? And this is uh, a difficult question to answer because context really matters. Now, um, what some people do, and I think this is a flawed approach, is some people go, my favorite artist is X, Coldplay. Uh, I don't know why they came to mind. I haven't listened to Coldplay in probably five years, but uh, favorite artist is Coldplay. What does Coldplay use? I wanna use everything Coldplay uses. Now, Coldplay is not Coldplay because they use this type of guitar, this type of in-ear, uh, Ableton Live for tracks or, or whatever. Uh, Coldplay is Coldplay because they're Coldplay, right? But they just happen to use these things. That's one approach you can take. But what you wanna look for is gear that is road tested, um, that's used by people, that's uh, abused by people out on the road, that's gonna uh, take a beating uh, and is gonna keep working. Uh, gear that uh, is simple, um, gear that is, is custom made and built for this type of scenario, this type of world. Um, and again, to try to make this easier for you, cause we could spend an hour and a half talking just about gear uh, on this podcast. Uh, and maybe we do a podcast where we just talk about gear. Uh, but, um, to make this real easy for you, I've put together my gear guide of all my suggestions. I updated it for 2023. It is full of absolutely everything. Audio interface, MIDI controllers, in-ears, uh, hard drives, best uh, interfaces for vocal processing, um, you name it, it's there. And it's gonna be updated throughout the year. I've, I've done it in a way this year that it's a living, breathing document. And so it's gonna be easier than ever to update. And so to get that, all you have to do is head to from studiotostage.com slash gear. Um, that's my gear guide. Uh, and it's gonna give you access to everything. Because these are the two maybe most common things I hear. Well, what's the best MIDI controller for running tracks? Again, you'll get lots of options based on your context there, but the Oakboard Mini by Oaktone is my go-to, my number one suggestion for people asking. Best audio interface for running tracks, Play Audio 12 for I from iConnectivity, hands down. Nothing else even comes close to that. So that's question number one. Number two, ooh, this is a good one. Session view versus arrangement view. And this is a really um, nuanced question in some ways, in some senses. One, just asking, should I use session view or arrangement view on stage? Well, I gotta learn more about your context. Context is super important here. In fact, I, I'm gonna make a note to, to link to um, one of my favorite episodes we've done on the podcast here, uh, but uh, the importance of context. Uh, and for me as a trainer, something I'm trying to get a little better at is when people reach out and they say, Will, I need help with this, I'm trying to do this, is really learning the context in which they're working. That's super important. But let's talk context for a second. If you're stepping on stage in a linear type of performance environment, if you're a band on stage playing songs, 99.9% .9 of the time you're in a linear performance. Now I need to find a better way to describe this because people hear linear and they typically just think like, uh, we're on rails, we're stuck. I don't mean that. I mean, you step on stage and play a song. Yes, you may decide to repeat a chorus. You may decide to loop an intro. That is still a linear thing because there is a song structure. If you're stepping on stage playing a song with a song structure, that's a linear nature. Um, and if you're using backing tracks, uh, using click, that's typically something done in a linear fashion. Linear doesn't mean we can't repeat, just means we have a song structure and an arrangement. 99.9% .9 of the time if you're doing that, you should be using arrangement view. Now, if you're in a non-linear environment, meaning you're stepping on stage, you're just gonna play a section and play a section and play a section as long as you want to, loop it almost in like a jam band type thing, uh, a live looping type scenario, and then you wanna bring in another thing and you're launching clips and you want things to play non-linear in a lot 
lot of different timelines to play at once, then session view is the way you should use, uh, the way you should go. So it all depends on context. I just did a video, uh, I think a week ago, where I uh, took a song in Ableton Live and I said, here's how we format the song in session view, here's how we format this song in arrangement view. Because this is a, a subject I've talked about um, for many, many years, even before I started from studio stage, back at my very first company, Loops and Worship, and I was a session view devotee, and I built a master set in session view and ran tracks, and I was very stubborn, very closed-minded, and I never tried using arrangement view. And then one day, based on a suggestion of a friend at the time, um, I tried arrangement view, and I realized, wow, this view was actually made for linear things and for running tracks, and it saved me so much time. So if you don't believe me, um, don't take my word for it. Like, seriously, do not. Click the link in the description of this video, watch my session view versus arrangement view video. Plus I'll link to my building a live set in less than five minutes video where I show you with my actual process, how quickly and easily you can build an Ableton live set. And if you're, even if you're considering using a uh, Ableton live set to do like a master set, um, I think we've got a video on that that I'll link to as well, but tons of resources there. So um, the, the quick rule of thumb here, if you're doing a live looping uh, type scenario, uh, non-linear performance session view, if you're doing a linear performance uh, playing with a band using packing tracks or click arrangement view. And again, do not take my word for it, Check the videos out where I show you, you'll see it exactly happen, and then try it yourself and make your decision based on that, not based on what some dummy on a podcast or a video says. Um, and, and I wanna add one caveat there, then we'll get to number three. I'm going longer on these than I should. Um, sometimes people, I, I'll share that info with them and they'll go, yeah, but I'm an electronic music artist. And I'll go, okay, are you doing a linear performance or non-linear? Non and sometimes it is like a live looping DJ, they're firing clips. But a lot of times they're doing a linear thing, a planned song, they're maybe a producer, uh, they wanna do a set that, uh, of songs they've produced, it's electronic music, and for some reason they get hung up on arrangement view because they feel like if I'm an electronic musician, I have to use session view and I have to make a really complicated, hard thing and I have to step on stage and do something that's hard and complex, otherwise no one's gonna care. Um, that's simply not true. If it's linear, arrangement view if it's non-linear session view. Okay, number three, this is a big one and I've got a great answer for you. Number three, how do I become an Ableton Live trainer? Um, this is called Ableton Live Certification Program. Uh, you could become an Ableton Live Certified Trainer. I've been an Ableton Live Certified Trainer, I think since, I can never remember, it's either 2011 or 2010. It was before my kids were born and they were born in 2012. But um, I've been able to live certified trainer for a very long time, however you, you look at that. Um, and, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've made uh, definitely in my career. The connections I've made through that, uh, the credibility I got because of the certification um, has just been amazing. Now I did a full deep dive into how to become an Ableton Live Certified Trainer, uh, plus I talk about um, what certification is and isn't in uh, one of our first episodes, it may actually be the first episode, no, the first episode of the podcast is RTFM, so it's not that, but it's one of the first like five episodes of this podcast that you're listening to. It's like a deep dive into what a certification, should you consider it, is it for you? So I'll link that in the show notes, but in short, things I always mention to people, certification is not a way to learn Ableton Live. It is not a program where you show up for a weekend, you learn about Ableton Live, take a test. So if you're looking for a way to learn Ableton Live from studiotostage.com slash subscribe. Plus, um, I have, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this episode releases, but as soon as it's out, I have a article uh, that I will link to that's a kind of in-depth process of this that announces some other ways 
uh, that from Studio Stage will fill in the gaps there. So if you're looking to learn Ableton Live, certification is not for you. If you already know Ableton Live, you've used it for many years, you understand different contexts in which Ableton can be used. Um, you know, not to pick on my church friends, but I hear from a lot of church friends that are like, hey, uh, I want to become a certified trainer. Okay, why? That, you know, and I'll say, well, if you want to learn, it's not, no, 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 it's not that I want to learn. Uh, I've mastered using Ableton Live. Oh, cool. How long do you use it? Three months. Oh, oh, cool. So you're like producing music, recording. No, 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 no. I just use it for tracks on stage with my worship band. Okay, cool. Uh, well, you know, what if a DJ comes to you and asks how to use Ableton Live? Well, that's, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be a certified trainer. I just, I'm not going to talk to them. Certification is all about your knowledge of Ableton, your ability to communicate that knowledge clearly and teach people from a diverse uh, set of musical backgrounds and experiences. You don't have to be a DJ to teach a DJ how to use Ableton Live to DJ. You'll know the bits and the pieces, right? And you can find all that in the manual and then you just experiment and use it, right? Comes down to knowing when to use session and arrange view, for example. Um, uh, but it's, uh, again, certification is not a way to learn Ableton Live. It's, it's a way to get a, a, a a certification, a piece of paper, if you will, that says this person knows what they're talking about. We certify their teaching ability, their knowledge of Ableton Live. Uh, and it's really a great way. Um, if you're going to be a teacher, it, you should definitely do it. If you're going to be a consultant of some uh, type, um, you know, maybe consider doing that. But again, I'll link in the show notes to that full episode where you can dive deep. Plus, I'll share some um, other ways if you're looking for, hey, I want to learn Ableton Live really well and get some sort of uh, badge certificate saying I know it, um, then got some really good ways for you can do that. Links in the show notes. Uh, number four, this is uh, pretty specific to Ableton. Uh, and if you don't understand the, uh, the, the setup here, then that's fine. Just watch the video. Um, uh, I can't use my MIDI controller and my stop track at the same time. Uh, the heart of this question is I have taught people for many, many years, uh, way beyond from studio stage years, uh, of how to create something called a stop track. And that's a really poor term because it's actually a little mini clip that's assigned to the stop button in Ableton Live. And when you get to the end of your song, it stops. And you stop it using a virtual MIDI driver, which is either the IAC driver on, uh, on a Mac, Loop BE1 on a PC, um, uh, and basically it gets to that clip and it's assigned to stop and it stops Ableton Live. The next question people get, and I'll link to the video showing how to set that up. It's kind of step one. Step two, the next question I get is, yeah, well, but I have a MIDI controller and on my MIDI controller, there's a stop button. And when I assign my stop button to stop in Ableton, my stop clip doesn't work. And when I assign my stop clip to Ableton Live, my MIDI controller doesn't work. It all comes down to understanding how Ableton treats MIDI. And I cannot have two different MIDI notes, two different MIDI commands assigned to the same function in Ableton Live. But I can have multiple devices sending the same MIDI note, MIDI channel, uh, MIDI CC, whatever it is, MIDI channel to one thing in Ableton. So, all you do, and I've got a detailed tutorial showing exactly how to solve this. All you do is make sure that stop note, that MIDI clip, and that MIDI controller send the same MIDI note, MIDI message, maybe MIDI note, MIDI CC, and the same MIDI channel. Now you're gonna hear that and you're gonna say, yeah, well, but my SPD still doesn't work. It's because you missed that second piece, MIDI channel. Same MIDI message, either note or CC, and MIDI channel. And when you do that, that's gonna work. And that gets to a fundamental bit of Ableton Live knowledge, which again, is that two multiple devices sitting, multiple MIDI notes, MIDI channels, cannot control one thing in Ableton Live, but you can have multiple devices, multiple things that are all sending the same MIDI channel, MIDI note, or MIDI CC, and assign one of those once, and all of them will work. 
I almost shared a paid resource, but I'm not going to do that. But it's a course on From Studio to Stage that helps you understand just the basics of how MIDI works in Ableton Live, which would be super helpful. Uh, but again, check out the, the link in the description and the show notes for that. Okay, uh, number five. I, I'm going to uh, hit this one in just a second. But before I do, uh, just uh, a quick reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and enable the bell icon. Again, it's just a free way to say thanks to, uh, most importantly though, more important than telling me thanks, is making sure you get access to this content as soon as it's available, as soon as it's out. And if you hit the little notification icon, you'll be notified on your phone. What I tell people all the time is, if the title looks interesting, if the thumbnail looks interesting, click through. If not, just ignore it, and it'll get to you somehow. If you're meant to see it, you'll see it. Um, I'm not like, I'm not super stressed if you don't see every single one of my videos. When it's the right time for you to see it and find it, you will find it. But if you enjoy this, consider subscribing. And then again, just uh, again, as a reminder, if you want to become a From Studio to Stage uh, subscriber, a community member, then head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe. That'll get you access to everything I do. The goal of that is to make it feel like one-on-one -on -one tutoring. I'm coaching you through how to use Ableton Live for your performance, whether you're an artist, whether you're a live looping artist, whether you're a worship leader, whether you're a cover band, uh, a band out on the road, whatever your scenario is, there's content for you there. Okay, number five, what version of Ableton Live should I buy? Um, again, context is everything, so let me hit you really quickly. And I've got, again, some free resources, tutorials I'll link to here, uh, plus my gear guide. Uh, number one, if you're just getting started with Ableton Live, uh, get Ableton Live Lite, which is gonna be with a product that you've purchased, a mini controller or audio interface. If not, then look at Ableton Live Intro. It's the cheapest, most affordable way to get started to figure out if this is for you. I hear from people, not all the time, but I hear from people on the, uh, on, on the YouTube that'll comment and say, God, this is the worst God awful interface I've ever seen. And I go, cool, well, don't use it. Like, that's fine. You know, I hate main stage. I can't stand to look at main stage. I hate Pro Tools. I hate the way Pro Tools looks, basically everything about it. Um, but if you want to use it and that's your thing, great, fantastic. But I would rather you figure that out after spending like 75 bucks than spending $1,000. Um, but if you're going to use tracks in Ableton Live, you need Ableton Live standard. I'll get people occasionally reach out and say, um, hey, uh, I want to use Ableton Live for tracks, but I just, I don't want to spend the money on standard. And I always tell them, you can get started in intro when it comes to using Ableton for backing tracks, but you are going to hit limitations really quickly with track limit. Um, standard is the way to go. Ableton Suite is the way to go if you want to use some setless management things that require Max for Live, if you want to use Ableton's built-in sounds. But for, you know, I would say 90% of the audience watching, listening to this, Ableton Live Standard is where you need to be. If you click the link in the description of this, you can purchase Ableton Live Standard um, and uh, support my efforts as a content creator and as an Ableton Live certified trainer. Um, costs you nothing extra and you purchase directly through Ableton, which is a great way to do that. Uh, plus, side note, if you become a From Studio Stage student, uh, then you can purchase Ableton at the EDU discount and save tons and tons of money. So from studiosage.com slash subscribe, uh, and that's where you'll you'll find the path on how to get Ableton in the discount. Um, okay, number six. Again, this is a highly specific question. I'll give some context here. How do I get Ableton sessions to sync? How do I get Ableton sessions to sync? Uh, a lot of times people reach out because they see maybe my content on the Play Audio 12, they want to create a redundant rig. And one of the first questions people get is, hey, I don't want to set up my session to where I press play on my MIDI control and it starts both machines. I want my backup machine synced to my A machine so that it's perfect and everything's perfectly in time. I, I hear this once, twice a month, always typically from people that are just getting started. 
create and redundant rig, or maybe they're coming from something like DP or Pro Tools um, uh, that they used live for tracks and that's how they did it there. They wanna learn how to do it in Ableton Live. Because of the way Ableton Live works, a couple things up front. One, um, Ableton has an inherent, um, I don't, not bug, but if you try to sync two sessions and you get past measure 1025, your second Ableton Live session will automatically stop. Check out the link in the description, the show notes, where I show you exactly how to solve that. I'm getting that question more often than not. And I think that's because most people start with the redundant thing and, and think this is the right way to go. Um, I'm, I'm getting that like once or twice a, a month now, which I never had gotten that question until about a year ago. I think it was Josh. I think Joshua was the first person that reached out. Shout out to Josh if you're listening. Can't remember your last name right now. But um, uh, so uh, when you're syncing Ableton Live, there's this issue with measure 1025, which happens to do with MIDI numbers, hexadecimal numbers, whatever. It's, it's a bigger issue for smart people. Show you exactly why that happens, how to solve it in that video. Two, Ableton um, doesn't have what's called free sync right now, or the ability to, uh, you know, if this computer goes down and you're, you're synced uh, using timecode, um, then this computer will stop as well too. So if you're using timecode, which side note, Ableton cannot sync via LTC, only MTC. If you don't know what that means, skip past this portion of the podcast, skip ahead about 30 seconds then join me back. Um, but Ableton can only sync via MTC, not LTC. There's a multitude of methods and ways to convert LTC to MTC, but it's for another day, another podcast. Um, but it can only sync via MTC. The downside though is right now, syncing via MTC, if this computer stops, this computer does not keep running. Uh, there was an update to Ableton around 11.2, some beta release or whatever, where I think they're trying to improve that to where eventually it will kind of do that like free sync thing that most MTC timecode based things do, which is if this goes down, this one will keep going. Um, so until they get that feature, and even when they do get that feature, I don't, I don't very much need that feature because I just use my MIDI controller plugged into my Play Audio 12, I press play um, and that sends that signal to both computers and both computers play at the same time. Random side note, have the same exact type of computer, hard drives and everything. Uh, don't use like a new computer and a really old computer because you're not really doing redundancy there. You're just kind of playing with fire and hoping things work out. Um, have both computers be plenty powerful as much as possible, the same exact specs uh, and everything so that stuff stays perfectly in sync. Okay, number seven, this is a good one. Um, why does Ableton keep crashing? This is something I hear on YouTube and it typically goes a little more like this. Man, the new update to Ableton is so stupid because every time I open it, it does this or it instantly crashes. They're idiots, they don't know what they're doing. And that's those scenarios where I, I kind of step back. This is just me personally, you, you live your life the way you wanna live your life. But for me, when I get into scenarios like that, uh, right now I'm testing a product, a brand new product from a company. And uh, the software with this product is not loading on my computer. Now I could look at this and I could say, this company's idiots. They cannot make software to save their lives. Or I could look back and go, maybe it's something about my setup, some unique thing about my setup. If I assume I'm wrong here, um, then maybe uh, there's a little better way, you know, way to go about this. So why does Ableton keep crashing? Um, here's, this is less of me answering that question um, and more of giving you a, a, a method and a pathway of how to go forward when you're having issues with Ableton Live. Um, Ableton is a fantastic company with fantastic developers who know what they're doing. 
Um, they know how to develop products. They know how to release products to beta test products, but they cannot test every, it's impossible. There's no software developer, uh, hardware developer, no matter how big they are, Apple, Samsung, Google, whoever it is, they can test every possible scenario with every possible piece of hardware around to release hardware, uh, hardware and software that's 100% bug-free. It just does not exist. Um, we live in a world where there are imperfections. It does not exist. But when Ableton releases a piece of software, they have gone through enough automated and uh, uh, you know non-automated like uh, individual testing things uh, with a group of beta testers to say, we believe this software is as bug-free as we could possibly make it. And the updates that we've added are worth uh, updating and asking you to update. So they release their software. If you run into an issue, please do not go to YouTube to look for the answer. I know it's ironic because I make content for YouTube. You're literally, I am not a YouTuber though. Someone the other day made a comment about YouTubers. I'm, I'm not a, a YouTuber. I'm someone who makes content for YouTube. But two, um, don't, one, don't go to YouTube looking for the answer, okay? Uh, number two, the, the first thing you should do is support at ableton.com. And people, I've reached out and people have said, ah, oh, Ableton, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, we'll reach out to support. Well, they don't have a phone line, but they will, okay, well, either sit there with your arms crossed and be pissed uh, that they don't have a phone line, which God bless them, I'm so glad they don't, or just email support at ableton.com. If you don't hear back within 24 hours, um, they either did not get your ticket or it's in your spam folder. Um, they're not ghosting you, um, support at ableton.com. They have ways of getting bug reports from Ableton that only they have the tools and ability to read that a YouTuber does not have the ability to your buddy down the street who used Ableton six years ago, doesn't have access to that. So please, 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 if Ableton keeps crashing, one, assume it's maybe you immediately reach out to Ableton support at ableton.com. Um, it's fine to look on the internet, on YouTube, uh, for folks that are part of the From City to Stage community, I tell them often, hey, um, post in our community, ask other fellow community members, are they having the same issue? Maybe that'll give you some confirmation. Maybe someone will find an answer or they heard back from Ableton before you did and they can pass the knowledge along to you. Um, uh, but start reaching out, start making efforts. Uh, I'll, I'll hear from people that will live for years with weird quirks and bugs because they never updated their Ableton version and they just believe this is the way it is. Ableton doesn't, as a company, doesn't create software with the goal of pissing you off or making your life harder. Uh, there's something specific about your scenario that's just not working. So if you run into issues, support at ableton.com. Sure, Google it. You'll probably find a video I did, an article I did that says, here's how to fix it. Try that if it works, great. If not, don't comment on the YouTube video and ask that person to solve your problem for you. And you can always like book a coaching session with me or with a certified trainer or someone, but before you pay anything, support at ableton.com. Okay, my last question, I've saved it to the end because only about 30% of you does this really apply to, but that is, should I use Playback Prime or Ableton Live? Uh, if you're a worship leader, if you're a church musician, then this applies to you. First thing up front, if you're not gonna use tracks in a church context, then do not use Playback or Prime. These are closed ecosystems created for uh, churches to do church music. Um, they are really great, incredible resources, but they're closed ecosystems. They are not made for bands looking to run backing tracks. Uh, I know there's some other apps out there and I would love to dive deep and explore some of those that are iPad, iPhone based that are just, you know, upload content from anywhere into them. These apps are not that, that's not what they're made for. So if you're not a worship leader, if you're not using tracks in a church setting, 
do not choose playback or prime. It's, it's a foolish decision if you do. But if you aren't a worship leader, it's a real serious question because both, both of these apps have developed. Uh, they're very mature. Uh, I would argue in a lot of ways they are a little too mature and they need to step back and go back to the simplicity in which they were first, uh, the, the goal of simplicity uh, when they first were developed. And I've talked about that a lot publicly, but um, I've got so much content where I lay out and do a over an hour long shootout between Playback Prime and Ableton Live. I look at every single feature, stack it up to Ableton Live. Uh, we compare cost. Um, I have some specific videos where I shoot out Playback versus Ableton Prime versus Ableton. Check all that out. Do not take my word for it, right? I worked for Multitracks.com for five years. Playback was my baby and led the team and designed a lot of the features that are currently in that app. And I'm super proud of that. But if I step back from a as unbiased as I can possibly be perspective, here, here's my couple really quick thoughts in two to three minutes. Number one, if you're just getting started uh, as a worship leader, playback or prime. And I've said this till I'm blue in the face, but choose playback or prime. Well, which one of those should I choose? Well, one, go to multitracks.app multitracks.app, and that's a free quiz I've put together um, where I'm gonna ask you some specific questions and based on the answers to those questions, I'm gonna tell you exactly what app you should use, Playback Prime or Ableton Live. But um, to decide between these two apps, it comes down to where do you get your content from. Again, what's the keyword here? Ecosystem, even more important keyword, closed ecosystem. If you use and purchase content from Loop Community, use Prime. If you purchase content from Multitracks, use Playback. These apps, these companies will reward you if you stay in their ecosystem. Um, you know, you're going to see all your songs directly in the app. You can download them. You can edit songs pretty easily, edit your set list, that sort of stuff. But you start to pay the tax when you leave the ecosystem. If you use playback and you want to use content from uh, Loop Community or you use Prime and you want to use content from Multitracks, you're going to pay the tax. What's the tax? Well, you have to go purchase the thing from the other company. You have to upload it to that company's cloud. You have to wait for the cloud to process it. You have to then go do all the work to add in your markers, your tempo changes, your time signature changes, if the company even allows you to do that. That, to then get it in your app and to have a, a second class citizen type experience, right? That content will never be as nice as uh, the content you downloaded from those companies. And you're going to spend way more time doing that in those apps than you would in Ableton Live. So if you're just getting started, Playback or Prime depends on where you buy your content. Um, if you're willing to stay in that ecosystem, if tracks is really not your thing, you just don't care about it, then just stick in one of those ecosystems. Um, uh, maybe consider uh, multi-tracks that may win out. In the end, you can look at the price comparison there. Multi-tracks is cheaper than Loop Community in the end. Uh, I know LC's app is completely free. Uh, playback has the intro tier, which is completely free. But when you look at kind of like the tiers that you need to do things similar to Ableton, Multitracks is cheaper by a couple cent, like it's not a whole lot. Um, but when you compare all three, you'll see that uh, that um, Ableton Live in the long run is actually cheaper. You don't get content with it, but it's actually cheaper in the end. All that, again, don't listen to me. Fact check me, check my videos, uh, check the, the Google sheet where I put together all that data and research. Um, that's yours to access for free. This is me trying to be as unbiased as possible. Um, but I think if you just don't really care much about tracks, stick with one of those, maybe consider multi-tracks because you can pay, it's gonna cost you, it can get quite expensive, but uh, you can get a service that's gonna allow you to sync your charts with Ableton, uh, with Playback rather. Um, it's gonna allow you to get uh, files you can load in ProPresenter that's gonna save you time, but you're gonna pay a lot for that. And as soon as you cut off those services, um, you lose access to, to, to that, right? As soon as you cut off those services, you no longer can download more uh, ProPresenter files. Uh, you can't do the cool sync stuff and it only works in that app. 
um, as opposed to Ableton, which is an open, open ecosystem and gives you far more flexibility to edit and customize. So um, all of those videos, I, I've laid out so much stuff, but um, I would say in the end, if you're looking for the app that's an open ecosystem, uh, lets you make um, uh, edits like, uh, uh, you know, exactly edit transitions between songs, um, you know, to edit song sections and add transitions between song sections instead of just seeing everything as a block, um, uh, to straighten out the tempo of something. If you download a song from an artist where they decided to have tempo variations in it and uh, there's no reason for that, then you can straighten out the tempo for that. Again, you can easily use content from any one of those sources, format your song in less than five minutes, which is far faster than either of those apps will ever be. And plus you get a desktop app, you know, yes, I know prime playback are available on desktop, but I would not consider them desktop uh, apps. They are touch first apps that have been brought to the desktop and there's some weird quirks within that. Try adding MIDI cues in either of those apps and tell me they're faster than Ableton. Um, and then you can build a set in Ableton Live in less than five minutes. And again, I've got content showing you how to do all of that, uh, but check out those resources, right? My goal is to try to go as in-depth to share my data. Um, and in fact, something I've highly considered doing is creating a playback in Prime course, just so I can say I really truly am unbiased. Because right now you could say, yeah, but Will, you sell a site dedicated to teaching people how to use Ableton. Of course you're gonna say Ableton is better. Well, I don't say it's better for everyone. I don't say it's better in every scenario. Um, I, I talk about it being an open ecosystem, but I've thought, well, maybe I should do a playback in Prime course just to say, literally, I have no bias in this whatsoever. You can subscribe and just take my playback course or Prime course. If you're interested in that, let me know. Um, that'd be really easy to do. And honestly, those apps have gotten so mature. Again, I would argue maybe a little too mature. I think in a lot of cases you need a course to understand every feature of those apps, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so there's our eight questions. If there's something I didn't get to in this episode um, that you go, Will, uh, how about this? Could you answer this one? This is one I run into, or uh, I've talked to some friends and they have the same uh, question. Um, leave a comment, let me know. I'll do my best to answer it. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, again, consider hitting the subscribe button, enable the bell icon. Uh, so you see exactly when I go live, you don't miss out on anything. And if you want to join the From Studio Stage community, then fromstudiostage.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for watching. Appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for being a part of the community. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.